Welcome to today's episode of Let's Debate It podcast. On today's episode, Dalton and I have a conversation on Jamal Murray's 48-point performance and Kyrie Irving's reaction to it. We talk about if the Milwaukee Bucks are a real threat in the NBA, if Joel Embiid can lead the league in scoring, whether Philip Rivers and Tony Romo are Hall of Famers, uh, the wild decision that Bryce Harper made to turn down a $300 million contract, and we depict Duke's recruiting class and compare them to the Fab Five. And then finally, we have Pep's Pick'em. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And after a two-week hiatus, uh, Dalton is finally back. He was stuck in some bad weather out there in Sicily. So, Pep, before we start, you want to just like tell us a little bit about that? What was the scenery in Sicily and what was going on? Very wet. It's very wet. It's wet time out there. Um, took a while to get to, get to the hotel, but we made it, um, thankfully, safely. And um, there's a few. It was actually it was actually a very very sad story. There was a uh, family of nine who died going from the same airport to the same city I was going to, but luckily we waited it out and uh, made it safely. But we're back, and um, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm packed. I'm, I'm, uh, I listened to the solo edition. It was great. Learned a lot, actually. And um, I'm a big wine guy, so I We're going to have really to hear some that. of the Italian. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I'm um, back to be back. And I'm great to be back. Grateful. And uh, let's get it. Yeah. Can you, you took a boat back, right? How was that? How was that entire experience? Well, I, no, we, we, took a, uh, we took a boat from Messina to... Uh, to um where was it what was the city well back to back 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 to the actual uh back to italy we took a city from sicily to italy um the main coast and then uh, to reggio calabria there it is there it is sicily reggio calabria messina reggio calabria and it was uh it was only like a 20 minute ride but um we had to do that because uh, the airplanes were down and there was no flights going on. Wow. Okay. Now, so we talked a lot about Kyrie. You had a lot of questions. But another character um, the other night uh, with the Denver Nuggets who are booming out, out west, uh, they actually play the New Jersey Nets or, um, excuse me, Brooklyn Nets tonight. Uh, but – Jamal Murray, 48 points, had a great game, um, takes that final shot at the end of the game. So to give you a little backstory, uh, they were they clearly won the game. They were up by eight or nine points, and they were kind of dribbling it out. And Jamal Murray takes this ill-advised three-pointer, um, and he misses. And Kyrie ends up getting the rebound and chucks it into the stands. Pep, as a current player, as a, as a former college player, You've been a part of games where you scored. Uh, you had some breakthrough games. Is this something, if you were Jamal Murray, how do you account for if you were to score that? Like, like, do you think that's valid, what he was doing? Do you think Kyrie had a good reason for, you know, for reacting the way he did? Uh, just take us through, like, moments in your career and, and, and then what happened um, out there in, uh, in Denver because I, I found it extremely interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. This is a great question because as a player, you 
you when you're when you're losing and um when you're losing something even in practice like you know you get frustrated you see the same guys every single day you're going to get frustrated some guys lose their mind and and, and go off on, in different 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 worlds or whatever and do whatever they have to do to to get their anger out but obviously this was this was more of an anger anger thing for Kurt Kyrie, congrats to Jamal Murray. I mean, he's averaging about 19 a game. Um, he's having a good year. This is that second year. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but back to Kyrie, I think what he did uh, was it's, – it's, it's, it wasn't about – that's not – I don't know if that's, that's what Kyrie's about, but he's a competitor. So when, when, you're, when you're competing at the highest level in the world – and um, you're already, the game's over. It, it, it was clearly over. And um, a guy takes a shot to get his 50th point. I think Kyrie felt disrespected with this, and, and as he should have, because the game's over, and there's, there's no need to take a shot. Jamal Murray wanted to get his 50 bomb, but guess what? Kyrie, I think he was, he was in the right in this situation, and what he did – shows his character and I like it because it's it shows his competitiveness it shows his willing his will to win and it shows that he's he he's for the team right now and he he he's giving everything he has but unfortunately that night they they just didn't get it done yeah that's that yeah I uh I I agree with you and I think you would have reacted the same way maybe you wouldn't have done that but you would have felt the emotion um, of why would you shoot that shot? Kyrie scored, I think, his career high is 57, and he did it in a purposeful way against the Spurs in a win in overtime uh, a couple years ago. And Kyrie is, you know, he's like, if you want to score 50, whatever, uh, that's great, but do it in, do it in a way that's that's respectable. And I, you know, I, I agree with him. I think he took a lot of heat for us. Some guys were saying, well, if you're going to be mad at him for taking that shot. Um, you shouldn't have allowed him to score 48. I disagree. The guy scored 48, but he didn't earn his 50th because, granted, anybody could have went out there and shot that shot. I mean, it, it, was, it goes back to Devin Booker last year. What would he score? Uh, was it 70? Yeah, I think it was two well, years ago. I mean, two years ago. Well, they were – I mean, they were they – were the game was over, and they were fouling at the end of the game just so he – just so he can get the uh, – he can get more possessions and more um, more shots taken, so he can get to. I think it was yeah, seventy. Yeah, yeah. So but, I mean, see, but that's within play, though, right? I like, mean, I the game it. was over. They they the game was clearly over. They were trying to get more possessions when, in reality, this would have never happened if he did not have uh, sixty four points or whatever it was at the time. I mean, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think sometimes as a player um you have to you have to realize the time and score and and um you know, you kind of have to let certain things go and if you if you're good enough to score 48 and on a very good Boston Celtics uh defense that's struggling at the moment, they gave up um I don't know was it 130 something mm, yeah to Devin Booker and the Suns last night, Kyrie with 39 Devin Booker with 38. Uh, Kyrie's been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. Uh, I guess it was the hair, um, but yeah, I don't know what's going on. Are you, ta- I, I are you taking I- that shot at the end of the game? Are you are you are you shooting that? 
Uh, to be honest, I think we both know that I was never a high volume scorer, but if I got up to that, I don't think I would. I think it's kind of like when you watch basketball from growing up and you and I have both been fans of the game, I think you kind of see what happens at the end of the game. Guys just dribble it out. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's that, you know, you're down by 15 and you're trying to make a comeback with like 40 seconds to go. Are you really going to foul a guy, uh, to prolong the game no the game's over at that point and you kind of like as a gentleman you can be as frustrated as you want to be um i think you just shake the other guy's hand and say congratulations and you move on but mm-hmm. um just mo- moving on from Kyrie and, and and jamal murray we have a team in the east that we kind of when we did our analysis of who's going to be who's going to be the best teams in the, the one of the best teams in the east and we kind of overlooked them but these milwaukee bucks are are they for real they absolutely mopped the floor with the golden state warriors i think they Mm -hmm. scored uh 80 some points in the paint the most points scored in the paint the last six seasons in the nba Mm -hmm. uh Giannis antetokounmpo is playing at an mvp level uh they got some other pieces uh that are that are really helping them um eric bledsoe um Tony Snell, whom we played against. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got uh, Lopez. He, he's doing some things. And, and a new coach. So two things I wanted to ask you. Are they for real? And does this indicate that Jason Kidd is a bad coach? Because he pretty much had the same team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, minus um, minus uh, Jabari Parker. And they go out to Golden State, and it seems like this team's on a mission. Like, they're not they're, – they're for real, in my opinion. What do you think? No, I think they have a lot of humbled guys, uh, a lot of underdog-type guys. Um, to answer your question, I don't think it's because of Jason Kidd at all. I think um, – I mean, they're just winning games right now. I mean, but guess what? They lost two of their last five. They in, – in retrospect, what do you see after – um, Ilya Sova, you could say Tony Snell is going to give you quality minutes, but he's giving you about 20, about seven points a game. But after that, I don't know. Like, you, you got, of course, you got Giannis, you got Chris Middleton, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brown's having a great year um, for a point guard. Lopez is solid. Ilya Sova is a great guy coming off the bench, as we've seen last year in Philly, who they, they're really missing a lot. Um, but after that, what are we really looking at? I mean, okay, they, they beat Golden State. They, this is the NBA. There's guys, the teams are going from East Coast to West Coast. It's, it's, it's happening like this. So I don't – I mean, I'm not buying into them being the number one team as, as a lot of power rankings have them right now, but I like them in the East. I think they're at best number two. I think uh, they can easily fall to number five, number four. Wow! But I mean, big swing. But yeah, but at best they're number two. I don't. I don't think they're they they are going to win the East this year. I don't see it happening. I mean, like I said, they have a lot of hungry underdog guys who want who want to uh, prove themselves and prove that they can win. But I'm not buying it right now. It's too early and. What do you think? Do you think they're you think they're the real deal? 
Um, I, I, I think I, I agree with you. I don't think that past Giannis, you have a bunch of guys that are trying to establish themselves as great players. I think Eric Bledsoe is a guy that um, could be better than he is in a sense that he's always played on good – well, in college he's played on good teams. He was in a bad situation in Phoenix. He kind of has a bad attitude, but I think he uh, – or had a bad attitude uh, last year tweeting out, I don't want to be here, which is – very unprofessional. Um, I think they have a bunch of good pieces, but I, I think in a seven-game series, I don't think they could beat Philly. I don't think in a seven-game series they can beat Boston, and I definitely don't think they can beat Toronto in a seven-game mm-hmm. series. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is the regular season. They did lose to um, Toronto, um, or they did lose to Boston. I did Portland. watch that game. Well, to Portland um, last night, right? Um, Portland, well, Portland is, is is a tough team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Portland is a tough team. Um, I don't think that in the East they can really compete when it comes to playoff time. I think a a lot of weird things are happening, right? Like you look at the Sixers. Um, I went to the game the other night against the Brooklyn Nets. I was really excited, had good seats. And these guys decided to turn the ball over 28 times. There was, Mm. it wasn't even that they lost. It was the fashion that the ass kicking that they took and just not playing up to their, uh, I think, level, to, especially losing to a way lesser team, just turning the ball over. There was no flow to the game. I understand it was a, on a back-to-back, um, but I think a lot of weird things are happening in the East for right now, and I think they'll shake out a little bit differently. Like Wizards just started – um, they're two and eight. Yeah. Um, Sixers are seven and five. Won their first game on the road uh, on Wednesday night in Indiana versus Indiana. That was a good game. They couldn't stop Oladipo. Um, he, I think, he had twenty five at halftime, something like that. Um, Pacers, I think. I think Pacers might be in the top four. Uh, I think if Sixers don't make a move, um, sign a guy like Kyle Korver. Um, or just a shooter, a guy like they could just flat out shoot the ball and give them more shooting than JJ Redick. Um, I think if Mike Muscala is your biggest yeah. signing in the offseason, mm. uh, Pep, I got to tell you, he's terrible. Well, well while you're really, losing, I, while you're losing Marco Bellinelli, who can easily give you 20 to 25 a night, uh, also Ilya Silva, who would give you, he, he would give quality minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you can we can harp on those guys all all we want, but you know, that I mean, they might may come back. Those are guys that are like kind of bouncing around the league where their skill set is utilized best. But I, I think if an availability comes for any of these shooters, um, Do you they think, can kind of you so you think the Sixers should take a shooter? I think they should take a shooter, and I think they should get a score. I mean, ultimately, you would want both. I think they definitely need a shooter because. Here's, the, here's their biggest issue watching them play. They don't have an identity as a team. Um, you kind of have – you have Embiid, who's having a tremendous season, right? But when he catches the ball in the post, there's, here's an issue. He's going to dominate anybody that he catches the ball against. He's either going to shoot the, turn, the jump shot or he's going to face up and drive by somebody or he's going to bully ball and score. Mm-hmm. So that's not a problem. The problem is you have Joel – you have um, – excuse me, Ben Simmons, who can't shoot and refuses to shoot. And he's kind of hanging out in that area so teams can help. And if you have two other non-shooters, and especially now when Dario Sharch in first 20 games, the guy just can't, like, hit a shot. Yeah. He just 
physically not capable of it. This is his third year in the NBA, and the first 20 games, the guy just absolutely cannot throw a rock in the ocean. Um, you need guys that are a threat out there, and that's why when you see J.J. Redick come into the game, it's a completely different dynamic that they have. They have a two-man game going, and Redick is kind of coming off the screens, and he's got the green light. I think you need another guy that's, that's, that's going to keep the defense honest, and they're not going to be catching the ball out at half court you know, starting a set with 11 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, I like that the, the the rookie from Wichita State, I think once he gets confidence and gets going, I think he can be really good. Um, but I think ultimately when it comes to playoff time, and I think Sixers are going to pick it up. I really do. But I think if they want to be anywhere where they were last year, I think they definitely need a shooter mm-hmm. and another guy that could just score. Uh, I'm not sure Mike Muscala will cut it. Actually, I, I'm not even going to say I'm not sure. I he, he Pep, he is slower than I am. And you know exactly how 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 fast I move my feet laterally. I mean, this guy cannot guard a chair. So, But anyways, while we're on the Sixers, um, do you think JoJo can lead the league in scoring? He was second going into the game against Brooklyn, and his teammates decided that the guy that's leading – that's that's the second leading scorer in the NBA should only shoot the ball eight times. Did a really poor job of feeding him the ball. Um, he leads the league in free throws taken yeah. or attempted. Um, he's shooting 82% from the free throw line. He's not really shooting the three well, but that's fine. He's uh, he's a center. He, he'll go and hit three a game, and then he'll go for four. Uh, the mid-range game is there. The post-up game is there. Um, so... Do you think he could do it? And here's here's what here's my thought process. There's there are a lot of guys that can lead the league in scoring, but they're on teams that they don't get the opportunity to shoot as much. Kyrie being one of those guys, um, CJ McCollum being one of those guys, um, Steph Curry, even though he's leading the league in scoring, once they get their entire roster back boogie and all those guys. I think he's going to regress back to like 27 points a game. Um, I don't think that he'll be playing most fourth quarters. So, but Embiid, he's got to play, but without him, that team collapses. So do you think he could lead the league in scoring? Absolutely. I think he, uh, like you said, he gets to the free throw line more than anybody in the league. He, he understands that he under, he also under, he's one of the best players defensively um, at not at, at getting away from the contact and not fouling um, either guys trying to draw contact or, or uh, trying to get into his body and draw contact. He, he knows how to uh, get away from this and stay on the floor. And this, and this is going to keep him on the floor longer and he doesn't foul as much. So this, is a big thing to keep him on the floor. But I think with his free throws, as, ma- as many as he shoots a game, um, and as many isos as he gets in the mid-post block area, I absolutely think he can, he can score close to 30 a game, 20, 28, 20, 28 to 30 a game. But like you said, he, his three-point shot, he's going he's gonna to hit a few a game. He'll, he, might, he might hit three, four, one game. The next game, he might hit one. But that, that's, that's not what he um, is focusing on. He, he gets the ball in the post. And with the Sixers offense, it's either, like we said in the recent podcast, it's either a Joel Iso, it's either a 
Simmons ISO. It's either JJ coming off screens, which which are the really the three only options you have right now are putting the ball in the bucket. Leading to another point is I think the Sixers need a um, for sure they they definitely could use another shooter to to help out JJ because um, he. He's basically their only shooter right now. They got Robbie, Robert Covington, who is a, is a defender on the wing. But I think you need a, just a guy who can just solely put the ball in the bucket, come in the game, and just get you get you buckets when you need them. Give give Ben, give Joel a little bit of rest on the offensive end. Let them let them get in the rhythm of the game and just count on this guy like a like a Jamal Crawford type, like a. Um, a guy like this, you could just go in the game and get you buckets. And I just don't see anybody on the Sixers right now have any type of – I mean, they have not, no scoring outside of Joel and uh, J.J., so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, those two are doing the majority of the reliable scoring, and then you have – and then you have Ben Simmons who who does the scoring in different ways, which is post-up, um, on the, in transition – um, you're doing a bunch of different things, offensive rebounds and, and all that stuff, steals. Um, and then you kind of have Sharich who, who scores in various ways, offensive rebounds on cuts. Sometimes he'll hit a three. He actually played really well against Indiana. I think he hit five threes. Um, and then Covington, who is either airballing or he's swishing threes. I have never seen Robert Covington make a layup. Um, until the other night against Indiana, uh, he and I think it was it was an absolute miracle. This guy did a reverse layup and he got fouled. And I honestly think if he didn't get fouled, he wouldn't have made this reverse layup. But while we're on the NBA, uh, let's just uh, before we move on to our other topics, let's just uh, let's just do a little bit of uh, tonight's NBA action before the games start. So there's well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games going on tonight so i have my picks of the games i'm going to read them to you and let me know what you what you think uh we got a doozy of wizards versus uh the orlando magic so what do you what do you got there the games in orlando both teams are absolutely terrible um i got i'm taking magic plus three at home um versus versus washington that's that that hasn't been playing too well Oh man, that's a rough. That's a good. It's one of those rough games that that only uh, that only you watch on the on, on a Friday Friday night, G. But uh, I'm only I'm watching the Sixers tonight. They're they're playing at the same time, so it's gonna okay. interrupt. All right, so uh, I'll I'll go with you on that one. I'll take Orlando. I'll take Orlando plus three. Gotcha. Not, give me well, the points. Yeah, um, Hornets versus the Sixers. Sixers are minus six. And I think this game actually has got an over and under of 225. Um, I would take the over on that as well and take the Sixers. So I think this game, Sixers are well-rested. Uh, they played on Wednesday. They're, this is their first night of a back-to-back. They play in Memphis tomorrow. Um, Kemba Walker, though, I don't know who's going to be already him. Um, he gave them trouble last game. Um, it was actually in Philly. Who do you got there? That's in Philly, you said? Yeah. Whew. That is a tough matchup with Kemba. I mean, there's nobody really – it's just difficult. Who 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 on the Sixers are going to guard him? So, I, I mean, give me Charlotte in that one. Okay. Give me Charlotte. All right. Got you. 
All right, Pistons Hawks. I'm taking Pistons minus five. It's in Atlanta. Blake Griffin and uh, Andre Drummond. I, I don't know that Atlanta has a big man that can they can stop either one of those two. Um, Pistons are five and five. They haven't played well on the road, but they started off the season hot. What? Who do you have? Pistons. Pistons minus five. Okay. This uh, this is actually a pretty good game. Pacers versus the Miami Heat. Pacers are minus uh, point and a half um, versus the Heat. Victor Oladipo. Wow, I think he might be most improved player and second team All NBA in my opinion if he keeps playing like this. Twenty four seven and four. Uh, absolutely torched the Sixers. Uh, clutch in the fourth quarter. What do you think? Who do you have there? Give me the Pacers. I like I like Oladipo way too much. So uh, Nets are visiting. Nets are visiting the Nuggets. Nuggets are minus nine and a half. Uh, Nets have been playing with some grit, uh, and they're not as bad as 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 many people think. Uh, who do you got in that one? Oh man, the Nuggets. That's a that's a good topic. Oh, man. Give me, give me the Nuggets. I think they win by 15. Yeah, I got them too. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, Celtics at Utah. They are Ooh. minus – they're plus five and a half. So, they're an underdog going into Utah. Over and under is 206. Keep in mind, Celtics played last night in Phoenix – Overtime, they ended up winning. Who do you got in that one? You said, did you say the Celtics were plus six? Plus five and a half. Plus five and a half. Give me the Celtics plus five and a half. Why not? And I'm taking the over on that game as well. Yeah, I think I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a shootout. Donovan Mitchell, I love his game. Um, Utah is a good defensive team, though. Uh, And then and then we have an interesting one. Will Jimmy Butler play or not? Who knows? Uh, Timberwolves at Sacramento Kings. Kings are two plus two and a half. I'm taking the Kings there. Oh, man. Yeah, give me the Kings. All right. So we agree on everything uh, besides the Hornets game. But let's move, let's move on um, to something we've been kind of talking about, and you're more of an NFL guy with your Steelers absolutely demolishing, cool. demolishing. Uh, they're so in sync. Uh, I watched bits and pieces of that game last night. They, they look, they look scary. And if, if the NFC or excuse me, AFC championship has to go through Pittsburgh, I don't know that it will, but if it does, I, I don't, I really don't know who can beat them. They absolutely demolished the Panthers and Panthers are pretty good. They're what? Six and three. Um, and they made, they, they, they made it tough for, uh, for, Cam Newton and the squad, but can we talk about two guys that I've been, well, both of these guys that I've been watching uh, for a while now, well, one of them is retired, but Philip Rivers and Tony Romo and Tony Mm -hmm. Romo is an absolutely incredible color commentator, but Philip Rivers, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just did a little bit of reading on the chargers um, and great team, great team this year. Great team. What do you, what do you tough out? But what do you think about Philip Rivers? Now, this guy has never won anything. Um, I don't think he's ever played in the AFC Championship game. And but his, if you look at his numbers outside of uh, winning a championship, because that's that, that's difficult to to um, to rate a player on on that solely because 
you may have a bad defense. You may not have enough weapons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He's had Antonio Gates for a while and some other receivers. But his statistics are off the charts. Hall of Fame numbers. Is he a Hall of Famer in, in your book? All right. So Philip Rivers is very overlooked in my opinion. I mean, okay, he's, he's four or five in the playoffs. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been to Super Bowl. He... This year, they they have they're a title contender. Uh, I wouldn't say they they're the favorite, but very good team, very talented players. They have a very good wide receiver core. Uh, one of the best running backs in the game, in Melvin Gordon. I think um, you know Philip Rivers, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, hands down. I mean, over fifty two thousand uh, passing yards. Almost, almost 375 touchdowns, um, seven-time Pro Bowl. This dude, he, he was in the same draft class as Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and I thought the Steelers were going to take him, um, but they, they, they wanted Ben, and, I, and I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very happy they took Ben because – we're not we're not arguing about Ben being in the Hall of Fame, so I think I, in my opinion, your to your question, G, I think Philip Rivers will make it to the Hall of Fame just because his numbers. I think the next they have a lot of young guys who who can help him out in the next two three years, and I think this year people are going to realize that, and they're they're playing very good football. Um, I, I do. I do think he's a Hall of Famer. Right? I think he's overlooked, and I think um, he just doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, playing with the Chargers. I mean, if he was on a bigger bigger market team like the Cowboys, Steelers, uh, teams like this, Patriots, it could be a different story. But you could say that about a lot of people. So, What about, what about a guy uh, that's, that's retired? He kind of got pushed out. In, in Dallas, uh, in Tony Romo, he's had, you know, I, you know, he's at age 38. He hasn't played, uh, what, two seasons right. now. Um, he, you know, I don't think he's contemplating a comeback nah, or anything, nah, but not at all. He, he probably, he, you know, some of these guys are his age and they're still playing, but is he a hall of famer? And I'm looking at like, you look at just pure statistics and his like career, you know, if, his resume, if you will, four time pro bowler, um, he he's been on some pretty good teams um he you know pa- pass attempts completions like 65% like what 250 touchdowns 35,000 yards pretty good passer rating most fourth quarter comebacks yeah, yeah, yeah. something that people say tony romo is is not clutch and yet this guy is you know kind of overlooked in my opinion and you know what's going on there? Like when you when you think of Tony Romo, when you hear his name, what happens? Um, what what goes through your mind? Would you vote for him? Do you think he makes it into the Hall of Fame? When I hear his name, what do I hear? What do I think of? I think of uh, not winning playoff games. That's what I think of. He's two and four in the playoffs. He's been in the league twelve years. Um, he's got great numbers. Like he said, his his pass, his uh, QB rating is off the charts. Uh, most fourth quarter comebacks. He's thirty, almost thirty five thousand yards passing. But if you're, 
in the Dallas Cowboys organization, I think you gotta you gotta win you gotta win some win some uh, playoff games here. This is the difference between guys like guys who are for, first ballot. We're talking about Tom Brady right now. We're talking about uh, Drew Brees. We're talking about Big Ben. These guys are the difference. We got we got Big Ben playoff playoff record thirteen and eight. Drew Brees seven and six. Brady twenty seven and ten. I mean. Rogers nine and seven. They're all winning percentages. When you got, then you talk about Tony Romo at two and four. I mean, it, it's where where are we going with this? Because Tony Romo is just I don't I, I don't I don't see him as a, as an elite an elite QB a tier one to QB in any in any category. That's just. My opinion, I just don't think he's talented enough. I, I, don't, I think he was overweight his whole career, and I'm not a fan. I, I really am not a fan of Tony Romo. He's a great announcer, and he's doing great things now, uh, thankfully for Jerry Jones, but just I don't see it. Um, I don't think the, the Cowboys are in a great spot right now with Dak Prescott, but, hey, I mean, that's, it's, that's Jerry Jones's problem, not mine. Yeah. Now, moving on from Tony Romo, who and the entire football analysis we just did, but something that I saw the other day that absolutely shocked me, and then when I thought about it some more, did not um, surprise me at all. Bryce Harper, who I think won the home run derby this year, um, absolute beast. Uh, I'm not sure he's well-liked. He kind of comes off as a douchebag. But extraordinary talent, um, offered a 10-year, yes, 10-year, $300 million contract, Mm -hmm. and he turned it down. Now, just imagine in, what, four months or three months, he'll make twice as much as an average American would make in a lifetime. And this guy said no. So, first of all, Pep, you played baseball. You might as you may have ended up in the MLB. Um, walk us through that, like his thought process, and just like tell us a little bit about it. First of all, how are these teams paying these players this much, and why did this guy turn this down? Obviously, because well, he thinks he can get more. Well, well, they're paying him because there's no salary cap in the MLB. They got to pay the luxury tax, but it's still, I mean. I think this is bigger than baseball. I think it's bigger than the sport. I think he's looking at it as, as a um, more of an outsider thing. Like it's more of a promotional. Um, he's he, he record setter. No, no, not even that. Like not even that. I'm talking about like outside. He's he's a he's a a good looking guy. Uh, he's he he's all into the fashion fashion professionalities, whatever you want to call it these days. But I think he wants $400 million. That's what that That's what I heard he wants. And I think he'll get it. And um, just because he's clearly the top two player in baseball right now, and I think uh, what he does outside of baseball, what, what attraction he brings, he can get it, and especially with no salary cap. It's just who, who's willing to pay it. And um, but I mean, 
if you're turning down 300 million, I think maybe it was something inside the organization that was, that was, um, not making him happy. I don't know. I think the nationals offered him, right. They offered him back. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he didn't like something in the organization. Maybe he wants to make a change who knows, but I know he wants 400 at least. And I think he'll get it. And, yeah, rightfully so. I think he should. He's the best player wow. in baseball. That's intriguing. Four hundred million. I mean, three hundred million dollars is not enough, and it's not cutting. And know what's interesting about the MLB and the NBA, who are just first of all, both of those leagues are incredible at keeping their brand. But um, yeah, MLB has twice as many games, and they have some very good TV deals, as does the NBA. Um, but What's what's interesting to me is, well, that these contracts are guaranteed. So a lot of these guys can sign this huge contract and not perform pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And they're guaranteed. In the, they're still getting paid. A lot of the, NF, the NFL contracts, you have, you have a guy um, like Le'Veon Bell who wants all this money. And when you look at like what he's asking for, it's peanuts compared to what – Bryce Harper is about to get, I get it, two different sports and less, less games, less advertisement and TV time and all that. But this guy can pretty much get hit and yeah, his career's and over. It could end it. Yeah. I mean, what's, uh, what's his uh, teammate's name? Ryan um, uh, Shazier or something? Yeah, uh, the yeah, guy Ryan from Ohio Shazier, State. Shazier. Yeah, he could, barely, he could barely walk because, I mean, and that was like a routine hit mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. It's Last not year, like yeah. he was – yeah, it's not like he was, like, laid out um, on a dirty hit. I mean, that looked to me like a regular tackle, and this guy, like, can barely walk now. And so, I don't know. I think it's – do you think, like, these these guys kind of um, look at the other guys in other sports and are like, wow, I wish I could – I wish I would have went to play basketball. Because there's guys like Antonio Gates. I'm not sure he would be in the NBA or not. But I'm sure there, there are guys out there that are good enough athletes, and if they stuck to it, they might have ended up in a different sport. And they're like, wow, I'm not getting paid at all compared to these other, I mean, to my I, other peers. I'm sure there's guys in the NFL saying, oh, man, look at these NBA guys. They got all these shoe deals. They got all, they got all their faces on commercials. And you, we're, talk, we're not talking about the, the best defender on the Seattle Seahawks. But we're talking about Steph Curry. We're talking about guys like this. It's, I mean, if, if I'm an NFL player, I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little PO'd because of this. This guy's getting paid this and this, but I'm going out there risking my, basically could be my life on the line. And, um, and I'm only getting paid a quarter of what they're making and not getting these deals, not those shoe deals. And this commercial and that advertisement. So, I mean, they have a point. They have definitely a reason. But, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the path you chose. And you're still living a very nice life with very um, very nice check coming every, every month. So, I mean, can't argue with it. But. Yeah. 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 Now, while we're on baseball, I wanted to ask you something in baseball terms about basketball. And I've been thinking about this. 
um, looking at watching the NBA and observing some guys, mm-hmm. uh, some of the draft picks and whatnot. So, for example, Sixers have accumulated a bunch of number one or top three picks over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a chance to get what the number one pick this year, and it doesn't. It's not looking so good because the Kings are playing well. But what do you think? So, in baseball, a batting percentage of three hundred will get you into the Hall of Fame, right? And okay. granted, you have enough hits, um, home runs, whatnot. But what do you think, like, the percentage of, of, of teams drafting players and, and, and hitting on them? Meaning 60 players get drafted every year in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And there's 480 players, and there are guys like Anthony Bennett – uh, that are no longer in the NBA. There's guys like Kwame Brown and whatnot. Um, so what do you think the percentage is, uh, like a batting percentage for front office in the NBA getting getting the pick right? Meaning like the Sixers, for example, Ooh. they got Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons and um, Joel Embiid. And then they got Markel Fultz. And who else did they have at the um, – they, uh, they drafted for they drafted uh, Evan Turner a couple of years back too but so let's just say they their batting percentage is 250 it might be lower they had a bunch of picks um but what do you think like let's just say in, in the lottery which is the first 13 picks if teams over a 10 year period what do you think an average batting percentage would be meaning you had 10 picks in 10 years 10 lottery picks in the last 10 years and I, not every team has that, mm-hmm. but what do you think the success rate is? I think uh, it's interesting. That's a great question. That's, that's, that's an unbelievable question. Um, no, I think, I think with the NBA being two rounds in the draft, I think first round guaranteed, guaranteed uh, contracts, uh, it's not even comparable. Uh, I mean, you got, got – I mean, like you said, you got the Sixers draft. They, they, they're going to hit, hit, hit. They might miss, miss, miss. But they're, they're going to hit for what, – what do you say, 50% of the time? So they got Ben Simmons. They got um, Joel Embiid. They got – they drafted Sarge. They missed on – well, I'm going to say now they missed on Fultz. They, okay. they missed on uh, Evan Turner, I guess you could say Nerlens Noel, you could say uh, Okafor. So I'm saying they're batting around 500. I mean, but it's it, – I, I, I would say that's like if, if you're going to say Sharich and Bede and Simmons are a hit and the other guys are a miss, I'm going to say Sixers are like maybe three – maybe – because we're probably forgetting some guys. No, yeah, we're uh, definitely. You know, I didn't bring up a bunch of names that they drafted, but I mean, I think, I think if you're if you're if you're hitting around fifty percent in the NBA on on what are we talking about lottery? What are we talking about uh, NBA All Stars? What are we talking about? Like, well, I would just say I would say there's an expectation of a player, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say you have you have three picks a year in a draft 
Well, we'll say two because a lot of teams don't. Some teams trade them yeah, away. Yeah. Whatnot. But let's just say on average you have two picks over 10 years. That's 20 picks. And we'll say if a player is drafted in the lottery and he's not an all-star within five years, that's a miss. And right. if he is and if he is uh, drafted in the first round but after the lottery, so 14 through 30, and he's not a – 15 and 15 and five guy either rebounds or assists um then he's a miss and then we'll say in in the second round if he's not in the you know if he's not in the rotation yeah within the eight-man rotation he's a miss anything over that is a hit because when you draft a guy 50th right like or like lavoy allen and he is in the rotation and he's playing and whatnot Mm -hmm. He's a hit, That's a hit because yeah. you weren't expecting any. Like it's a I, I don't want to say chance. anything. It's a chance. Yeah, you're taking a chance. Isaiah Thomas, sixtieth, six, excuse me, sixtieth pick in the two thousand and uh, what, eleven draft. It's house money. Uh, exactly. So that's a hit. So what would you say with the teams that get these picks? Um, obviously, there's a lot of pressure in the lottery. There's a lot of pressure for being the first overall pick, uh, second, whatnot. But what do you think the? Because I, I think. Danny Ainge is a great GM, but I, I looked at some of his draft picks, and they're atrocious outside of Tatum. Um, so, what well, do you think? Like the percentages are league wide, league wide. So, I mean, the, the one that comes to the top of my head is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I think they're a total miss. I think they're betting about one hundred percent, which is ten percent in terms to 100 but i mean you're talking about <laughs> drafting tristan thompson top whatever he was there you're talking about anthony bennett you're talking about you hit on okay you hit on kyrie irving um you you what do you what are we talking about colin sexton because of what i've seen in the new what i've seen in the news today is nobody's happy with the way colin sexton's playing they say he doesn't even know how to play basketball and this is this is your top pick who was a lottery pick and so, so they, that's what you drafted to keep LeBron and that's the only thing you you really had to show for so I mean um when you're when you're talking about it, I think I think a good percentage for the NBA is about I'd say about 50 50 you know what do you think I, mean, if you, no, I think it's much lower. Do you? I think it's much lower. Yeah, because you got to realize that some teams draft some of these players and they end up being like, I mean, you you got to draft like, I don't know, a loaded draft um, like a couple of years ago or you have I a mean, draft. I mean, so, so if you're, if you're going to give a, give a San Antonio Spurs a grade in the last 15 years, what are you going to give them? Uh, I would definitely give them – uh, an A plus. I would give the Warriors an A plus for right sure. So. For sure. Um, I would give, I would give the Sixers overall. I would give them an A, not an A plus, mm. because because they have had. Um, I'd give them about. Overall, I'd give them about a seventy percent, which is about a, a C. Don't you think? Well, um, I think if you get two cornerstone like franchise players on a roster. Um, that are assets 
And because you you know what you people forget like Curry was drafted um years ago, what his like his tenth season in the NBA. Then Clay Thompson was drafted and Draymond Green like three years later. It took them a while. It's not like they were good immediately. I think Sixers are in these growing stages. Yeah, they uh, they did miss on a couple of guys. For sure, for I, sure, for sure. But I think if you look at if you look at Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, they made Draymond Green into this player that he really isn't. I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are going to make Dario Saric into a player because you look at Dario Saric at the end of the season and look at the beginning of the season. He, I mean, his numbers and every his production is way better than Draymond Green's. So, but not to get like too like you know off the road here, off the beaten path. But I, I really think that you know they're in A. I think they had way more picks and didn't utilize them. I mean, Okafor had a great rookie season, and then God knows what happened to that guy. Couldn't um, play any defense. Ah, uh, yeah. Well. That's true. I th- he's he's absolutely despicable in a pick and roll. It's 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 not even a joke. But while we're on the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, college basketball started, Ooh. and they that there there are a lot of good teams. Uh, Kentucky had the second rated uh, recruiting class in the country. Duke, I believe, was first. And yeah. Pep, you know a little bit about ra- ratings. You were you were a top fifty player. You were considered. Uh, to, to be an, a McDonald's All American, and then we're look. I'm looking at this Duke class, and the guys that they brought in, and the guys you know watched bits and pieces of the game the other night, and I mean, I know it's it's sample of one game, but R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson had I think 33 and 28 respectively. I think Kentucky absolutely could not even do anything with those guys. It, it was mm-hmm. it was. Unbelievable. Those guys are going to be uh, definitely lottery picks, probably top five picks. Um, Kentucky has been notorious to, to, to have three or four or five one-and-dones. Um, and, you know, they do that year in and year out. That's their strategy. Duke's a little bit different, but kind of implements that strategy when they can. They obviously would like – Coach K has the strategy of let's bring guys in here and unpack the bags, meaning – give your teammates give your teammates a hint that you actually may stay for longer than a year we know most of these guys won't uh but duke looked impressive uh they have three guys that could be drafted top 10 uh the two guys i mentioned that had 28 and 33 uh zion and rj barrett both left-handed um what about the comparison to michigan's fab five um what do you like? Is it too early? And do you think this team regresses back? I know it was a big game in in Indianapolis, and these guys are both teams are a little bit nervous to break out into a college. Do you think could we potentially see a Duke team that to me looked absolutely unstoppable? Could could we see an undefeated season? And is it too early to make prediction predictions about this team? Um, and compare them to the Fab, uh, the Fab Five from the early '90s with uh, Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and those guys. I mean, I think, like you said, I think it's a little bit too early just to say. I mean, they they played one game there, but don't get me wrong. Most talented class in the history of college basketball, freshman wise. And one guy you left off is Cam Reddish. He's from Norristown, PA. Um, I think he 
Uh, I think he had like 24, 20, 25 points. I mean, this guy, in any, in any, in any other team, this, this, this is a, I mean, he's a top five recruit. He's, he's unbelievable, unbelievably talented. I mean, we're looking at another guy, Trey Jones. Uh, this, the, this class is unheard of. And when you're, we're talking about, like you said, Coach K, uh, he's used to the, uh, one and done, one and done guys. Coach, where no, I'm sorry, John Calipari. He's still one and done guys. And that's what we've been used to as college basketball fans. But I think Coach K transformed his, uh, he transformed his ways, and I think he had to because he saw what was going on in college basketball, and he said, "Okay, it's enough. Uh, I I, I got to stop getting these these suburban white guys who are going to give me four years who." Uh, it's just not going to get it done for me. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's the reality of it. And that's, that's just the way it's got to be where John Calipari figured it out early. And I don't know that there might've been some few bags thrown under the table, but that's the deal. And then everybody knows what goes on nowadays. So, but if we're comparing them to the Michigan fab five, I honestly, I don't even think it's comparable. Uh, I saw a debate the other day. Uh, Stephen A. was arguing with Jalen Rose, who's part of the uh, Fab Five in Michigan, and he, and Jalen Rose said uh, Zion could not start on that Michigan Fab Five team, which I totally totally disagree with him. Um, this guy's two hundred and seventy five pounds, six uh, eight. I mean. In college basketball, there's there's no there's no stop there's nobody who's coming close to the size, the speed, the athleticism, and and if you add three other guys, four other guys to that cal- to that mix, it's there's no mix. Another question you ask: Do you see them going undefeated? I do not. I do not think they go undefeated this year. I think they lose at least two games, maybe three. Uh, heading into the NCAA tournament as a number one seed. Um, I just don't – I think they're too young right now. I think um, obviously Coach K is one of the greatest coaches of all time in college basketball, but I think you need to buy into the system. Obviously, the first game of the season, everyone's adrenaline's pumped. They're playing Kentucky, the number three, number two team in the country. Um, they have a lot to prove. I just don't see it going. They might miss on 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 some of these, like an, an NC State, an uh, uh, away ACC game. I think they can miss one or two times, and I, that's my personal opinion. But this is the greatest recruiting class of all time, and if we're talking about, okay, I'll go back to the 2010 Kentucky team, which we beat in the two, in the uh, elite. Uh, was it the elite? Yeah, the elite eight. In Syracuse, they had five first-round draft picks, G, five of them. Now, can you name the five? Uh, Eric Bledsoe, yep. DeMarcus Boogie Cousins, yep. John Wall. Yep. Um, let me see who else was on that team. Um, uh, there was a lefty. Uh I'm thinking 
that was a long time ago now that I think it about is. it. Uh, who are the other two? Two. So at number one was obviously John Wall, like you said. Number two, Cousins, Boogie Cousins. Number three was Patrick Patterson, um, who's been a great NBA player, great player in the NBA. Um, solid guy. Uh, number four, we got Bledsoe. Number five, we got Daniel Orton. That's a name. I forgot that's, about that's him. A na- yeah, that's a name. 2009 high school draft class. Big guy. I mean, he, he, he had some knee issues, right? He had some knee issues. He also, I heard yeah, a, a crazy story that he went to, um, where was it? Where, Manny Pacquiao. Where is he from? Philippines. Philippines. He, he went to the Philippines to play. And Manny Pacquiao was on his team, right, as a player. Get this. this is a real story. Manny Pacquiao was on his team, and Daniel Orton said something like, oh, Manny, Manny is a terrible basketball player. What the hell is he doing on the court? Now, they didn't just, they didn't just fire him from the team. They almost took this guy's head off. Now, this was, this was uh, I mean, it's, that's a side story for another story, but whatever. That's uh, that's that was their that was their top five, and um, that's a super talented class. They also had DeAndre Liggins on that team, um, uh, Quincy Miller, or no uh, Miller, Miller. They had they were so deep. I mean, unbelievably talented. I just think, man, this Duke class can can fall into their steps, but they could run into a road like that, lose to a lose to a less talented team. Just who wants it more? You that's, know what I'm saying? That's hot. Yeah, yeah, that's hot at the time. Yeah, you guys were hot, and you, and you had it going on, and you, and everybody did their job. And I'm sure that when John Wall and the Marcus Cousins lost that game, they they would they probably didn't even care because they were like, you know what, Money I'm time. getting a nice exactly. So you know, I let me ask you this before we uh before we move on. If you are a Sixers GM or any GM. And you can pick any player in the draft. Who would you take? Are, this upcoming class. Yes. Oh, man. Now, my heart wants to say Cam Reddish just because uh, he's a Norristown guy. He went to Westtown High. Um, I know a little bit about him. But I'm going to go with R.J. Barrett. I think the guy's super talented. I mean, he is maybe the best Duke uh, committee of all time. I don't know. You got guys like wow, yeah. This is this is a bold statement, but I think this guy is super unbelievably talented. Uh, it's every skill set, um, NBA ready, NBA bodies is there. I just think he. I think that. That's the pick you take if you're a GM. I mean, obviously, teams are looking for different positions, but in retrospect, they're all about the same size, um, except for Trey Jones. But what about Zion? Do you what do you think about him? I know you and I spoke, and and you think that obviously he's a tremendous athlete, six seven to eighty five, yeah. has a forty five inch vertical, left handed, which I think can be a real advantage if you know how to use it. Most players are obviously right-hand dominant. Um, wide shoulders, 
But a concern with him is he obviously can't shoot, which is fine. You can teach somebody how to shoot. You can't teach somebody to jump 45 inches. Mm. However, um, how, how long can you – what position, number one, does he play? And how long can you sustain that athleticism for? Because especially at that size, just because, you know, when you're playing 82 games and you start, like, getting into your mid-20s and late-20s, like, how long can you sustain that for and rely on that explosiveness? I mean, Vince Carter is like defying, defying aging. There's these guys like Benjamin Button, but you know some other guys um, like Brandon Roy, for example, couldn't last. Yeah. Uh, you know, just knee problems. Now, I'm not wishing that upon Zion Williamson, but I'm just kind of wondering well, what's your take on him. Ah, I mean, I can't really. I don't really know about his body, but how he takes care of it. But I was, re- I was, uh, I was listening to to something today and uh somebody said that if he would have entered the nba right now he would be the second heaviest player in the nba yeah behind bob boban yeah, marjanovic yeah, yeah. who is yeah, yeah, seven yeah. foot three yeah yeah so i mean that's just that just shows how athletic how freakish and absurd this dude is i mean i've never seen it i've never seen an athlete like this, the size-wise, um, jumping, jumping like this, running like this. Um, he's not super skilled, which I think um, he will over the next few months, especially years. He'll he'll improve dramatically. But I think if we're looking at him in an, in the NBA, I think he plays a three-four position. Um, just because he's, he'll never be a knockdown shooter. I'm, I'm just being realistic. And he's not someone who's going to come off pick and rolls and, and read, read situations and find open teammates and know where guys are. And I just don't think he can run an offense like that. So uh, take, take the one, two, possibly the three out. So I think he's a four realistically, but just because of his size. Um, now, are we talking about a guy who's who's in the NBA is just going to be setting screens like a Blake Griffin type to enter? Or are we talking about a guy who's going to be a face-up guy, catch the ball, ISO a little bit? Um, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen him – I haven't seen him play enough. I've seen him play one college game. I've seen him play in some highlights in high school. I've seen him play a couple high school games. But I haven't seen him play enough to where I can really say, okay, this guy is going to be put in this situation. If he's put in the four position, he'll, he'll do this, do that. But I don't know. It's, it's too early to tell. I think he's a super athlete, one of the greatest of all time athletes in the world. But what do we know now? It's too early. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of guys have that upside. And one thing about before we do Pep's Pick'em, I kind of reflect back and I'm thinking on uh, the Portland Trailblazers who have historically have mm. had bad draft picks. And what I mean by bad is bad and bad luck with them. Um, what, what if they kept LaMarcus Aldridge? What if they kept – what if Greg Oden doesn't get hurt? Because Greg Oden was a great player and Brandon Roy doesn't get hurt. Well, imagine the lineup they could have. They could have Lillard, McCollum, Brandon Roy, the uh, Greg Oden, Greg Oden uh, and 
or or, uh, or you want to say and, Kevin Durant? <laughs> well, no, we'll 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 just say that Odin never has bad knees, and, okay. and you know he's a he's a fifteen and ten guy, and you have him out there in the mix, and then you have Aldridge, Marcus Aldridge, who was on the Trailblazers, decided to sign with the Spurs in the off season a couple years ago. So just imagine those guys, you know, some bad luck injuries. I mean, think about how good that team would be. Uh, they have two, uh, possibly, you know, one of the, not possibly, definitely one of the best backcourts in the league, uh, McCollum and, um, and Lillard. And then you had Brandon Roy, who was a tremendous player. You had LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, you don't even need Odin, uh, Greg Odin at, at that point. At that point, you kind of have those four. Uh, you kind of get a stretch three, four and some guys off the bench. And I think that team would be better than the Warriors. What do you think? That would be a super talented team if we're talking no injuries um, uh, and and luck turned to their side. I mean, it's it's great points you brought up. Um, It's just too – it's just – I mean, it's like like a dream come true, like a situation, you know what I'm saying? But – what you said was right on, and um, I can't, I can't, I can't comment because I. It's just, it's just Brandon Roy, super talented, unbelievable. Greg Oden, we never know what he could have been, never know. Uh, and they, and it, with the guys they have now, you had those two, those two pieces, and a couple others. You never know, gee, they, they could definitely be. Uh, Western a super contender. team. Yeah, a super team for sure. Super team. I don't know if they'd be better than the Warriors because nobody has shown they've been better than the Warriors to this day. So, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to tell, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much no. It's pretty much the, the regular season. Just it, to me is is fun. The playoffs are going to be wanna, super I wanna fun. Something. I want to ask you something. If we're talking, if we're going to go with a. Now we did our predictions. Me and G did our predictions for the uh, every for the playoffs. Top eight, top top eight for each Eastern Western Conference. G, what do you got for right now's top four in the Eastern Conference? Top four in the Western Conference power rankings on each side. Um, not combined yet. So, what do you got for the East right now? For the East, yeah. Uh, I would definitely say Toronto mm-hmm. uh, would be number one. Okay. Um, I would be inclined to say Boston is number two. Um, I know their record doesn't prove it, but um, I that team isn't fully. Um, it's not a well well oiled machine yet um, because because of various reasons. They're ten deep, and I think they got to trim two guys, trade them for for picks for the future just because those guys need to be playing and then Rogier paid, but, uh, Rogier, um, possibly Gordon Hayward, just because Ooh. you have Tatum. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think Brad Stevens is smart enough to, to, to figure it out. I mean, you got, you have a guy like, um, Marcus Mars, who's absolutely crushing it this year off the bench. Um, so, at the end of the day, that team, it, it's just a matter of time before they start clicking. They have a good defense. Their offense hasn't been 
that great. But, like, once they get on a mean winning streak, I mean, put it this way. They won, what, 15, 16 games in a row last, uh, last They're year. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. Super yes. Dangerous. And, and I, I, I think if you look at the Celtics, uh, they lost to the Raptors. Uh, Raptors beat them, like, pretty bad. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think Boston is pretty much like a loaded gun. Right, it, it, it's ready to be like shot at any point. So yeah. I think I think they're not in their midst. They're not in form yet, and I think once they do, they're second best team in the league. Uh, so Boston would be would be two. Um, third team would be Milwaukee, and then I would have to put Sixers at four, uh, just because Milwaukee has a better record. They stomped the Warriors, they stomped the Sixers, um, and they played Boston pretty much. Um, the whole game at home, they took Boston every piece of energy to beat them. So those are my top four. If we were going to move out West, obviously Golden State is number one. Um, number two, I have Denver. Yeah, uh, those guys are those guys are playing just out of their minds. I mean, you have Jokic, you have Jamal Murray, you have some other pieces out there. Yeah, and you know, they're well coached, they're playing hard, and that's not an easy place to play at all. Like a lot of players complain about the lack mm-hmm. of oxygen and whatnot um, when they go there. Um th- three and four, I mean, I I would have to put the Trailblazers at three. And then the fourth team uh, now this is your top four this is your top four as of right now. Year. No, no, no. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The season. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll keep Denver at two. Uh, I'm gonna slide Portland down to four, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Houston at three. I think Houston's gonna figure it out. I, I here here's the thing. Houston is gonna play. Uh, you have a lot of teams that they're gonna play. They're gonna play the Wizards twice, Magic twice, Hornets twice, Pistons, Hawks. Um, they're gonna play the Nets. They're going to play the Kings, the Timberwolves four times. I think those are like practices for them. Um, I think they're going to walk through those games. I know they haven't been playing well. Um, big Jim Harden's been hurt, you know, with the hamstring and all that. Um, I think I think they're going to – they're too good. And I think Carmelo mm-hmm. has taken a lot of criticism. But I think he's played well this season. Well, come I on, think, come on. The, the criticism on. has been deserved. Where did he go? 0 for 11? Well, no. I, I, I agree with you that, that the criticism, he's, he's deserved it. But I think he's bought into a team concept, meaning I'm not out here to get mine. I'm going to do what's asked of me. As far as the performance, that's a different story, right, that we're going to have to evaluate that differently. But I think Chris Paul is a winner. I think Chris Paul willed them by himself to victory against the Nets. He pretty much called a player's only timeout. Not pretty much virtually, he did it. Carmelo had 28 that game, and he was like – we're winning this game. And that's that. Chris Paul is that type of player. He's just those guys that if he's on your team, you like him. And if he's not, he's just an absolute annoying that. So For sure. For sure. I think, I, I think the scoring and, and the system that they have, I think they pick it up. Um, I think they're three. I mean, West is really good. Um, Jazz, they're struggling right now um, because I think a lot of teams are collapsing in on, Donovan Mitchell, and I think his second year, he's not. It's not like his rookie year, right? He he had ups and downs, and he, you know, they went on a streak. I think they figure it out, and I think they make the playoffs at five or six. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go with 
Golden State is the clear number one. Nuggets are a number two. Houston is going to be number three. And I'm going to have to slide Portland down. I don't think anybody can guard. I mean, McCollum at 40 the other night. He absolutely embarrassed Dante DiVincenzo on a uh, – no on a drive to the basket where he just made him fall. I mean, no disrespect to Dante DiVincenzo as a rookie, and I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but so, where, was, so where I'll, do the I'll, Lakers fit in more. that situation? I think, I think the Lakers fit in right where they belong, uh, possibly, possibly eight or nine battling for that. Ooh, they're just nine. not a good team. Uh, I, they're just not a good team uh, for various reasons. I think it's tough playing with with LeBron. I don't think they have depth. Uh, Luke Walton, here, here's an interesting dynamic that you have in L.A., right? Luke Walton is drafted the same year as LeBron. Now he's LeBron's head coach. LeBron has had run-ins with coaches, David Blatt, Tyron Lue, Eric Spolstra. So Eric Spolstra is really the only coach that has lasted and hasn't gotten fired. And he was kind of on the verge of being fired and Pat Riley taken over in Miami. But – you know, he, he rode through the wave, um, and, you know, he, he went through the storm, but I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, he's, he's got the, he's got a terrible plus minus Lakers almost seem like they're playing better without him. And obviously that whole team, the only buzz about it is LeBron, but the other guys, I, they just don't have enough. Um, you, you know, they're feeding JaVale McGee, like he's a Kim Olajuwon. Right? Ja- like JaVale most, McGee, might be he's averaging what? Player. I, I look. I respect Javale McGee. He's doing his job. He's he's been ridiculed and made fun of for a good amount of his career. He was rightfully so. You know, he was pulling the the stunts that he was pulling, and, and, and you know, he was kind of <laughs> he was kind of like a comedy. But you know, he went to the Warriors, learned how to win, and he's having a great season. But let's not make a mistake about it. Guys like Kyle Kuzma, guys like Alonzo Ball, who's the second pick, um, those guys need to step it up. And you can't be relying on Mike Beasley and Lance Stevenson to win games. I think they're energy guys, and I think they're scrappy guys. But if if those are your guys that are that you're relying on to win games, then I think you're in trouble. Gee, but and gee, but I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna bring up a point. You know LeBron's system. Yeah, he, but the LeBron before before he before that trade deadline. That man is going to do something. He's, he's proving a point right now. I don't know if it, this early, maybe, okay, it might be a little – they, they they're just not clicking yet. But this man has never played super well before February, March, whatever it is, because he wants to make a point. Well, look, uh, here's the the difference between – like I'm going to counter your argument here because you can prove a point, but it's a lot easier proving a point in in the East where you pretty much have a carved-out path to the finals. And obviously he had to beat teams, but teams are almost afraid to play him, right? He has Boston's number. He has every team's number. Last year, it didn't matter if they were the eighth seed or the fourth seed, right? Sixers beat them out um, for for the third seed, right? They had to play on the road almost, what, too serious, right? They had to be mm-hmm. uh, where they didn't have the home court advantage first round. They, they play Indiana, and I don't know how they squeezed out that series, but they did. Then they go play Toronto, 
and they sweep them. And then they play Boston and win in seven games. So, but you're talking about the Eastern Conference where he barely finished fourth with a team that I think was better than this Lakers team. I don't think that this Lakers team is good. Rajon Rondo is a good player, but Rajon Rondo is not, he needs to be in a system with three or four great players where he can be averaging a triple double or like close to it every night. He, he's just not that guy. He, you need, this is not the league that it was 10 years ago. We've seen this transformation of the NBA. It's possession heavy, right? You, if you like the Sixers the other night, for example, took, I had, I think they took 60 something shots. I ended up leaving cause I couldn't bear it anymore. The Nets had like took 40 more shots. It's a volume league. There's a lot more possessions and it's a three or key type of game. And LeBron needs shooters around him. Who are the shooters, right? Kuzma, not shooting too well. Alonzo Ball, not a shooter. JaVale McGee is catching lobs and offensive rebounds. Who, who else do you have there on that roster besides, like, Josh Hart? I don't see any consistency. And that's that. Defensively, yes. Okay, they, you know, they, they, they show potential, which is one thing. And then you have to go out there and prove it that you can actually play. But they haven't done that, right? And on offense, they struggle. And why do they struggle is because they, they simply cannot, um, they, they cannot on a consistent basis score. And they cannot execute at the end of the game. And LeBron can prove a point all he wants. Ooh. But it's going to be a lot more difficult to dominate the Western Conference. Um, it's actually going to be impossible because you have so many good teams. One name you didn't have- bring up is Brandon Ingram. Well, yeah, Brandon he Ingram. could be on the move, huh? Well, I, I don't know what the Lakers are. You never know what these guys are doing um, because I, I don't think it really works. Like, people are being full so they can trade them. Uh, you know, you're, these NBA guys are making so much money and you're taking on a huge risk by trading guys and taking on bad contracts. So do you think these teams are going to do any research? Are they, are they stupid where they're going to say, Oh, okay. Brandon Ingram is going to be a franchise transforming player. Like that doesn't, I don't think many teams think that Brandon Ingram is developing and he was, you know, he's in his third year in the NBA, but they just don't have enough. And, and that's, that's a fact they're exciting to watch because it's LeBron in LA and the lights are shining. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, you got to win games and they haven't done that. Um, the expectation is for them to win games. They beat Timberwolves the other night, but you know, Rose had another tremendous game. Um, and you know, when it comes to teams like Golden State, when it comes to Houston, um, when it comes to OKC, when Westbrook is healthy, I I, I don't think they stand a chance right now. Um, so, so yeah, I think LeBron can will them to the playoffs, and that's that. That's it, right? I mean, look at Boston last night. They had to take the Suns to overtime, right? Like you can pl- out west, it, it's just a lot tougher. In the East, you just don't have. I mean, look look at the team like the Nets. Besides, like Karis LeVert, I, I can't even. I don't even know some of the guys on their roster. Like, why are these guys even? Jared Dudley, guy has love handles, right? Why? Why is he? Why is he out there on the floor? Why is like? Why is Alan Crabtree? That guy is terrible. So, but but in the in the West, you don't have that. You, every team is good. You you go out to um, excuse me, Portland. And you don't show up. I mean, you you don't show up to play. You got those two guys are going to give you a forty piece. So 
you know, I think Lakers are a playoff team seven, eight tops right now. They make a huge trade, yeah, but um, I don't think anyone really wants to play with LeBron and, and be second in command. Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Right now with the, with the team they, they've got, I think they make the playoffs, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're any sort of a contender. Um, okay. But, you know, I could be proven wrong. I'd love to be. But let's uh, let's let's move on. I think we, uh, to wrap up the show, we haven't given uh, the fans what they really want, which is Pep's Pick'em. So we got some college football and NFL action. So why don't you hit us with the, with the college football? What, what do you got over here? Okay. No, we got a lot of games on hand, of course, as every week in college football. A uh, few games I like. Okay. I'm looking at Northwestern plus 10.5 at Iowa. Now, Iowa's top 25 in the country. Um, they're, they're playing at home. Uh, Northwestern is not, not as bad as people think. And I think 10.5 points. That's a tough points, place to play. That's yeah, a tough you know, place yeah. to play. Super tough. Um, I think 10.5 points right now. Uh, it's just three points too much, maybe two. Give me the ten and a half points, and I'll take Northwestern on that one. Okay. NCA Pickums, let's go with Wisconsin plus nine versus Penn State. Now, Penn State just caught, came off a brutal, and I mean brutal loss. Gee, now nah, I don't even I don't even want to go back and, and look at the score because it was that brutal. Now give me nine points with Wisconsin at home against Penn State. Now No, uh the game is actually at It's in Penn State? At, it's at Penn State. Okay. Give me the nine points for Wisconsin. Okay. Third game okay. of the week. Third game of the week. I like Texas Tech plus two versus Texas. Um, I think this game's at Texas, Texas Tech. Let's, that's, uh, uh, the well, game hey, is at Texas Tech. Yep. So I like Texas Tech in this one. Uh, don't really like Texas at all. Uh, they, they're too, way too inconsistent. Uh, just not my, just not my cup of tea. I don't like inconsistent teams. Uh, another game I don't like, don't love it a lot. Uh, I'll take Notre Dame minus eighteen versus Florida State. I think it's it's not going to be a, Notre Dame's going to win outright, of course. But eighteen, eighteen and a half. I don't know. Take it if you feel comfortable with Notre Dame. If not, leave it alone. Um, that's what I got for the NCA. Not too many. Not too many top twenty-five against 25 games this week. So uh, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave those, those big teams like Alabama, LSU, those teams alone tonight. Alabama. Interesting. They're minus 24 at home versus Mississippi state. Now Mississippi state is six and three. They're Mm -hmm. two and three in the sec, uh, which is a very tough football conference. One thing I found interesting last week, Alabama coming off of a bye. Ooh, ooh. I think they were coming off of a, of a bye. Yeah, they week. were. They were. Yeah. Playing LSU. at LSU, yeah. a twelve and a half point favorite. GG. More than that. Some. I some think had it at 14, 13 and a half. 
Uh, I've seen it the highest at 14. That was the highest I've seen it, but you're right. All right, so well, let's just call it 13, right, for middle ground, which means if you're at home, you get three points automatically. So you're telling me that they are 16 points better than LSU. That is a top-10 team. That is absolutely ridiculous. Well, um, that's the Rankers' fault. Uh, Vegas messed that one. LSU is not – they are not a top five team in the country and that's that's just a fact and they messed up i mean they know it alabama like i said two two three weeks ago when we were on the show before i might go alabama every single week just because they blow teams out like this and it's not even close this could be the greatest alabama team of all time and they're machines that's what i call them they're the machines and they just the they machines. just get it done. They just get it done, and they cover spreads. That's what they do. Great team. What what, what you're saying, G? Good teams win, but great teams cover. That's right. Yo, all right, let's move on to the NFL. I'm gonna rapid fire here um, for for the NFL. Cool. I'm gonna read you the spreads. Okay. And just give me a pick immediately. You know, without thinking. Let me give you. Let me give you my top three picks of the week first, and then you okay. rapid fire them. All right. my, my top pick of the week is the Pats minus six and a half at Tennessee. I love it. I, it's just you're, you're, giving, you're giving the Patriots one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, one of the best quarterbacks playing right now. Uh, defense is playing great. You're giving them – I mean, they just got to win by a touchdown against the Tennessee Titans. Now – Okay, the Tennessee Titans just beat the Dallas Cowboys by two touchdowns, you might say. But guess what? Dallas Cowboys aren't that great. Dallas Cowboys are very, very, very bad. And in that sake, I take New England Patriots. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Give me a touchdown. Put it, put it down. Put it down. Put it down, fellas. Pats minus six and a half. I also like Seattle Seahawks plus 10 at L.A. Now, the Rams are, the Rams are coming off a tough, tough loss to Seattle to uh, New Orleans Saints. And that's, I mean, that was the game of the week last week. That was the top two teams in the NFL playing um, in New Orleans. And New Orleans just took care of business. I mean, Drew Brees is playing. It's his year. I think I really, really do. Um, I've heard it. I've heard it since since week one, and I I, I really believe it. Drew Brees, this is Drew Brees' year to uh, compete for a Super Bowl, and I lo- and I really like their team. But give me ten points. I don't see Russell Wilson losing by more than ten points. Uh, I like that spread a lot. And another one, I man, you you Philly you Philly listeners are gonna like this one because. Eagles minus six and a half versus the Cowboys in Philly. I love it. I really do. Um, I hate taking the Eagles week just because they this year they've been inconsistent. Last year, I believe they got lucky. And you could say as you want, but that's just the way I see it. Um, give me six and a half. You got to win by a touchdown at home to the Cowgirls. I mean, any night of the week, let's do it. Okay. All right. So we got the top three picks. All right. I'm going to fire them off to you. Keep in mind, these are spreads as of four o'clock Easter standard time. Now it is um, close to eight. 
Um, so I'm going to read them off to you. So they could be off by half a point. The line might have moved or more. But anyways, uh, going down, uh, we have the Bears hosting the Lions. Uh, the Bears are minus six and a half. Whew. That's a, it's a rivalry match. Give me the Lions because that's way too many points for a, uh, a rivalry game right there. Give me the Lions plus six and a half. All right. We got Bengals hosting the Saints. Uh, the Saints are minus five and a half. Like it. I love it. Bengals plus five and a half. Wow. All right. We got Cleveland Browns hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta is minus six. Atlanta Falcons. All right. We got Jaguars at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is minus two and a half. Two and a half. Wow. Give me Indianapolis all day. All right. This is, I think, the largest spread of the week. Uh, Kansas City minus 16 and a half hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Now, for you listeners out there, I want to give you a little rundown. Last week, Vegas had its worst NFL week in the history of sports betting because of the Pittsburgh Steelers getting three points in Baltimore. They won outright. Uh, and the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs minus eight against the Cleveland Browns, I believe, and they covered that outright. That was the, the two worst spreads of the week and supposedly the two worst spreads in the last decade. Um, now, this is why this spread is <laughs> – some, in some places, I saw it at 18. Some places, 16 and a half. Gee, you said it was 16 and a half, right? So, I mean, give me the Chiefs. I, it's, it's, it's a super, super spread, but just give me the Chiefs. I, I, gotcha. That's what I'm going to do. Um, we got the Buffalo Bills. That's the only team in New York uh, playing at <laughs> at the at the New Jersey Nets. Uh, excuse me, New Jersey Jets. And yes, I know they're New York, but they actually play in East Rutherford. So I gotta say, it's oh, New Jersey, uh, New Jersey Jets minus seven. Uh, who takes that? Man, yeah. your 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 combination for that one was was. Off the charts, so just just give me any team you want, G. You pick that one. Uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine is a Bills fan, so I'm going to take the Bills. There it Those is, the guys. Bills. All right. Let's do it. You Got it. So we have Washington Redskins at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay minus three. Wow. Tampa Bay minus three. This is a, I, I, what do you think on, on that one? Tampa Bay minus three. <sighs> Man, that's 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 a rough one. I like Fitzpatrick playing. I don't like what, what happened last week. Uh, give me the give me the Bucks. Give me the Bucks. All right, Chargers at Raiders. Chargers are minus ten. <sighs> it's a high spread. Chargers are. Give me Philip Rivers. I like the Chargers in that one. I, I think the I think the Raiders are just just called it in and packed it in for the year. Dolphins at Packers. Packers are minus nine and a half. Give me the Dolphins plus nine and a half. Wow. And then uh, the Monday night game, we have the New Jersey Giants playing at San Francisco. San Francisco is minus three and a half. 
San Francisco. Um, take that. It's minus three and a half. And uh, I'm sorry for you guys, fellas out there. I couldn't get your get the picks in before the Thursday night game, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers at minus wow. three and a half versus the Carolina Panthers. And you know, I, when I was looking at this game, I said, "Wow, okay, the Steelers got to win by three and a half at home. That's a fi- so if they win by three, I lose the bet. But guess what?" I think the Steelers, and I was arguing with one of our guests last week, are a Super Bowl champion contender team this year, and they will win the Super Bowl this year. Gee, that's how we're going to end it, and I hope people like it. I hope they love it. I hope they hate it, and that's how it's going down, baby. Super Bowl champs, Pittsburgh Steelers, greatest team in this year. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's a bold prediction. Uh, I think we all know who Dalton is rooting for and who his NFL team is. Um, so we will see if this prediction holds true in the next couple of months. Pep, as always, thanks. Uh, glad to have you back after a uh, hiatus. So uh, I will talk to you soon, buddy. Great talking to you, G. Let's get, it at, let's get after it next week. For sure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you will join us next week.